Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Thanks, Michelle. That's awesome. Hey, everybody. My name is Adam, one of the leaders here at the church. And a little bit of housekeeping before we really jump into things. Um, Some of you might know, if you're a leader here, that... uh, that one of the big things that's been on my heart for probably about the last year, maybe even year and a half, is, uh, is building a culture of leadership development at our church. And many of you guys know, like, we're, we're a church plant. We will be, uh, I think, officially six years launched doing Sunday services coming this September. And uh, you can imagine, when you start a new church, it gets a little bit crazy, right? And anybody who comes around who's willing to do something, you say, yeah, amazing, go, go do the thing. Right? Because um, there's, there's this eagerness to want to be able to serve kids. There's this eagerness to want to be able to, to do all these things that, that establish uh, existing churches do, right? And so you just kind of throw people into places. And, and it's a tough gig because, you know, you're hoping that they love Jesus and they may seem moderately passionate and you have no idea how skilled they are. And so you just kind of throw them in and what happens, happens, right? And, uh, and really, really, if we slowed down, if we slowed down and, and thought more, okay, actually, so God is calling this person to do something unique. And they're calling them to do it specifically at our church. That's why they're here. And so what do we need to do to actually prepare them for that and release and help them discern what that is and release them into that in the right place as opposed to just saying, great, Let's do all the things. Um, and so a big part of that, uh, I, I started, so we, we started shifting that culture in our church to more towards developing people and releasing people into their kingdom calling um, a number of months ago. And my heart continued to grow for this. And so I, I approached seminaries and I started saying, hey, what would it look like for us to be a part of growing leaders throughout the city in their kingdom calling, not just at our church? It's an interesting thought. And so uh, we, we have someone from a seminary who's going to be hanging out with us for three months this summer. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, right? And so, Cole, why don't you come on up here? I want to introduce you to everybody. Yeah, let's, yeah, come on now. Yeah. Great. How's it going, man? Good. All right. So uh, this is Cole. He officially has a cooler beard than I do. So a little bit jelly, <laughs> um, which means the Holy Spirit is definitely in him, so watch out. Jesus is going to get you if you talk to this guy. Um, and uh, no, nah, so Cole's just been, we've, we've been walking together for the last few weeks trying to figure this whole thing out, and I'm, I'm super excited to have you at our church. He's going to be uh, serving alongside some of our leaders, and slowly throughout the summer, they're going to release uh, things to him so he can uh, just get his hands dirty and see what it's like to do ministry. Um, we had Cole over to our house for dinner, and he just shared his heart. And dude has such a big heart for people who uh, are just kind of wondering, man, how do I grow in my faith? What is this whole faith thing? And, uh, and so many other things that, that you shared about. And I just really appreciate um, your love and care for, for individual people like that. And I'm excited to see um, how that grows. Um, so guys, do your best to, to welcome him. Give him, a, give him a good Trinity Life welcome. Um, and, uh, and just push him forward as he kind of explores uh, his own calling and discerns his own calling as he navigates uh, seminary and those kinds of things. So, guys, thank you for that. Say hi to Cole after service and make him feel welcome. Let's make him feel welcome right now, right? All right. Before you go off, I'm going to pray for you. Can I do that? All right, great. God, I thank you that, uh, that you are doing something special uh, this summer in the life of Cole and in the life of our church. And uh, us as Trinity Life Church, God, we, we sit and stand before you and say, Uh, that we want to steward this opportunity well. That God of Cole grows to know you more and experience you more this summer, then that is amazing. And then, God, for the other things that we've kind of said that we want for him this summer, if those happen too, that's just, that's icing on the cake. But God, most of all, may he grow deeper and deeper in love with you. 
God, may, uh, may he also steward this opportunity well. May he come into our community and recognize that, uh, that we're a unique church. We're a different church. And we're, uh, that, God, you're doing something special here. And may he enter into that and love us well. As, uh, and we just try and love each other well. Let our love be genuine between, um, between each other. And uh, we recognize, God, that the body of Christ is, is wider than just Trinity Life Church. And so we welcome him with open arms, knowing that we share instantly so much in common because of you, Jesus. So God bless him in Jesus' name to love well this summer. Amen. Thanks, buddy. <clears throat> All right, cool. So uh, I was in high school once. It was <laughs> only once. Actually, if you look at my report card, you, you, it was pretty close to only once. Um, but somehow, somehow I survived the four years, and it was an interesting time in life, right? You're, you're kind of really discovering who you are. And uh, for me, um, part of that was, uh, was how I, I dressed. And so I dressed in very interesting ways. Um, I, like, I like the big, huge, baggy pants, right? Anybody have those? And especially if they got like wider as they went down, you know? So just as baggy as you can get them. And, uh, and as low as you can get them too, right? Because that was kind of in the in thing at the time. Um, and like, seriously, if I, if I still had some of these pants around, you'd wonder like, what, why did you buy those? Like, I'm 30 pounds heavier now than I was in high school, and I still wouldn't fit into these things. Like, well, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand. But somehow my parents let me, let me get these clothes. I used to wear these big, huge, baggy T-shirts, too. Um, and, uh, and, on the, and one of them, for example, on the front said P-I-M-P on it in diamond-encrusted letters. <laughs> um, I had... Uh, I had uh, bleach blonde hair at that time because uh, Eminem was just coming onto the scene, right? Um, and I had uh, I had a couple friends who uh, liked to pretend that they were uh, in gangs, right? And so I'm not like Daniel Park where I was in a real gang. I was in like pretend high school gang, uh, and so I had a little bandana hanging on my pocket. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it's just, it's like, it was just, I thought, actually at the time, that this was the most genuine way for me to express who I was, right? Like, I thought I was totally being uh, true to myself. And at the time, that's what I would have said, man, like, yeah, and I, I can't talk the way that I used to talk back then, so I won't even try. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I'd be like, yeah, this is who we are, and we have our little crew of people, and we like to be together, and... You know, it's fun and great, and we're, we're, we're totally being true to ourselves. The thing is, if I reflect on it, I actually wasn't really. I actually wasn't really. I was, I was probably more motivated uh, by the, the crew of people that I was with, so I was more motivated by trying to fit in than I was trying to be genuine to myself, right? And there's nothing, like... Dress how you want, that's fine, and listen to whatever music, you know, you, that you like, and that's, that's fine. Like, I'm not bagging on any style, right? But for me, I just knew that I, that I wasn't being genuine to, to who I was, that it was, more, uh, it was more operating out of fear of man and trying to please other people and trying to fit in. <laughs> just get this picture of me standing in those clothes with that hair. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so the, the trick is some of us are like this with our faith. That we try, we try and fit in. And I, I didn't grow up in church, so I think there's more of a tendency for us to feel this. If, if that was like our normal culture, like that's all we've known, is, is, is this subculture of people called the Christian church. And when you grow up in it, um, I had one friend in particular, it's, it's heartbreaking to say this, he was, he was a part of a, uh, of a religious group, and, uh, and uh, he's, he's not anymore, because um, he had a horrible experience in it, but he literally described it like this, he said, I would do whatever it takes to survive in that environment. And so I would say all the things, and I would do all the things to survive socially in my environment. I was like, wow. And... He said this after, after I started becoming, uh, became a Christian and I started asking him, you know, we started having more of these faith-type conversations and this is how he described it. And my heart just, just sank. I was like, man, God, how many, how many of us just do what we do so we can socially survive the environment that we're in? 
It's scary. It is. And I, my heart just, just grew for him in that moment. Like, what would it be like to literally come up with a testimony of faith that you, you came to faith in Jesus and know every time you told that story that you were telling a lie? Like, ah, that, that, was, that was scary for me to listen to him talk about this, right? And for him, the religious group that, that he was a part of, um, testimony was a big thing. And he, he described this to me, that basically everybody, uh, there was a big push to have like a really strong testimony of faith. And so for him, he had to make it up so he could socially survive the environment. Interesting. Paul says in the verse here, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Interestingly enough, just to set some context, uh, just previous to these verses, um, Paul is talking about using spiritual gifts. Uh, and Paul likes to do this, so uh, it's kind of, it kind of mirrors the, uh, the framework of 1 Corinthians 12, where, again, he talks about spiritual gifts. And then everyone knows, what uh, if, if you've been in the church and read through the scripture or been to a Christian wedding, especially, you know what 1 Corinthians 13 is, right? What is that, what is that chapter on? Yeah, it's on love, right? Everyone knows. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, and then I forget the rest. <clears throat> I guess I'm not very loving. No. <laughs> um, but he talks about spiritual gifts, and then he sets the framework as love. Right? That, hey, if we're to be who we are, the way that it needs to, the way that we uh, need to operate in that, if you're gifted a certain way and you're passionate about certain things and God is calling you to do specific things, that the context is always love. And so he's doing it again right here to this church in Rome. He's saying, uh, I'll just read, read some of it out to you. Uh, so it won't be on the screen, but having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If it's prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. One who teaches, in his teaching. And so on. We'll cover these verses again later. But the point is to realize that he's, he's talking about how do we interact with each other when we use our spiritual gifts and use them well is essentially what he's trying to say. And then right at the end of it he says, now let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Not fake. Like I was being in high school, just trying to fit in. Not just socially surviving. So we talk a lot about spiritual gifts in Trinity Life Church. Don't just socially survive. Don't just come up with some way to, to look spiritual enough so that you can fit in and survive the social environment at Trinity Life. Just be honest. Just be genuine. Like, I actually don't know about spiritual gifts and I actually want to grow in that maybe or I'm really not sure. Every time I try and, like, operate in my gifts, I just seem to fall on my faith. Like, just... Just be genuine and be honest and be who you are. And now let's all frame it in love. Um, so if I went, I, I got interested, I was thinking about it. I was like, all right, so what, what's the context of like most of our relationships uh, that most of us will have in our life? So I went on good old Google and uh, went on Stats Canada and was like, okay, what are some stats around people's relationships? Like, how, uh, how easy could it be for us to be genuine? Or how hard could it be for us to be genuine? Okay, and so here's just some simple little things. These aren't mind-blowing. This won't totally change your life or anything. But uh, um, so basically, here, this, let's have some fun. So 28% of people uh, feel like they can have and this was the majority category, can have close relationships to about five to eight relatives. That's a lot. I mean, I have like, I don't know, two, two relatives that I know about. I don't have a big family. Um, but most of people say, okay, I can have close relationships with about five to eight relatives. The exact same percentage of people said uh, that they could have close relationships with about five to eight friends, so people who weren't their uh, family which is also the majority category, right? So most people, it's about five to eight. Family and friends, right? So that's about 10 to 16 people that you can be in close relationship with comfortably, the majority of us. Uh, young people aged 15 to 24 said that they have almost double the number of acquaintances than close friends. This is how they describe, the terminology they use is close friends. 
and acquaintances being the category below that, where you know them, they're in your network, you maybe hang out with them once in a while. Um, so young people, probably this is due to the age of social media, we're a lot more connected, we like to know a lot of people, we're living in a lot more urban environments, so it's, it's easy to, uh, to, to touch a lot of different people's lives. Um, so that, that kind of makes sense. 80% um, chance uh, that your friends will have, speak the same language of you, as you. Right? So it's like, all right, we'll be actually be able to communicate with each other. So it's pretty easy to express who I am to that person because we'll speak the same language. There's a 90% chance that they're visibly of the same ethnic group as you. And so maybe you share, you probably share a, a similar upbringing or a similar, now that'll probably change because if you focus narrow in just on Toronto, this is Canada wide. Um, so in Toronto, that might be a little bit different. Um, but generally, we could say that, that maybe you'll have a lot of the similar cultural experiences. And so, so maybe it would be a little bit easier to have genuine relationships. Uh, there's over 60% chance that those close relationships are probably of the same gender, age, and education as you. So we can eliminate that as a barrier. Maybe a little bit easier to have genuine relationships. <clears throat> now, this was an interesting thing. Uh, I'm getting out of Stats Canada at this point. There's, there's a couple other uh, university studies that I, that I went and checked out, too. And um, this one said 86% uh, of people who had close ties to five or more relatives had higher levels of life satisfaction. Interesting, right? So if we have close relationships with people, well, this is family, uh, that were actually very likely 86% of people to have higher level of life satisfaction. I don't know how they define that. I didn't go that far, but interesting to think about. <clears throat> people who struggle with uh, mental and physical health, 73% uh, of people with at least five close friends uh, said that they were healthier than those with no close friends. So this is self-defining. Like, I feel like I have, I'm in a fairly healthy place in life, and then they categorize them out. So people who said that generally had at least said they had five close friends, and people who said that they you know, didn't feel that healthy physically or mentally uh, said they had no close friends. 32% uh, of people said they were uh, always honest on social media. <laughs> That's funny. So it's actually, you could say, wow, that's a lot of people are actually being more honest than I thought. Or you could say, wow, there's actually a lot of people who are not being honest on social media, but that's no news to anyone, right? Uh, but, it, you know, it's funny because social media is the most likely place on the Internet you are to be, to be honest. That if anywhere else, like a forum or a dating site or whatever, that the honesty rate drops significantly. <laughs> what do you put as your age and weight category, people? On Tinder, I don't know. Are you telling the truth? <clears throat> um, this, is, this one's interesting. This, this study, uh, it, wasn't, it hadn't been peer-reviewed yet, but they did. They're kind of testing the water on this one. Um, and uh, your level of compassion. So if you're a very compassionate person towards people in general, uh, it actually increases your tendency to tell white lies to people. Interesting. Why? Because you want to make them feel better. That was, that was really interesting. So again, that's, there's still some process to go through. But if you're a highly compassionate person, you may be more likely to tell white lies to people just to make them feel better. <clears throat> so that got me thinking. I was like, all right, all right, all right. So that's, that's some interesting things to wrestle around with. Now, what is, Paul says, let love be genuine. So what? Got interested, what does genuine actually mean? Right? Probably means like, probably think, ah, the real deal, right? Genuine leather, it's the real deal. Well, in the original language of the text, this is what it means without hypocrisy. That's pretty interesting. So I started thinking, okay, Jesus talks about hypocrisy, doesn't he? Jesus talks about hypocrisy. Here's, here's two instances where he does. The first one is in Matthew 7, when he talks about the plank and the speck. Right? And he's talking about like people criticizing each other. 
right? Like, hey, I see this thing in your life. I see this speck in your eye. Let me get it out, right? And really, they're like, they're like trying to see and they're trying to navigate, trying to reach around to get this other person. They got this plank in their eye. And it's quite obvious, right? Like, hey, man, why are you trying to get this speck out of my eye? You can barely like navigate the world because you got this huge plank of wood sticking out of your head. You're just banging into things. You're whacking people. You're right. This is an interesting place where Jesus mentions specifically someone acting in hypocrisy. And so what does he do? He said, what does he tell them to do? He says, take the plank out first. He doesn't say, don't help your brother, right, with the sin or whatever the speck is that you're trying to deal with. He doesn't say, don't do that. He says, hey, if you want to be an integral person, you want to be a genuine person, take the plank out and then pursue your brother. Do we do that? I don't know. How genuine is our love? Are we willing? Or do we just jump right into criticizing? Speck, give me that. Oh, I see a speck in you. You're going to talk about something? I'm listening. I'm li- oh, no, there's a speck right there. Let me get that. Oh, you're, you're trying to follow God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? I'm going to watch you for a bit. I'm going to watch you for a bit. Oh, this is starting to touch my life a little bit. Oh, speck. Do we do that? Maybe. Ask yourself, how genuine, how not hypocritical is my love? Another instance of this is uh, in Luke 14, when Jesus is confronted by uh, uh, the Pharisees, and they're talking about the Sabbath, um, and they're trying to trick him, right? Like, you know, they're, they're always trying to make him do something on the Sabbath to say, ah, you're a Sabbath breaker. And what does, he, what does he say to them? He says, you guys are hypocrites. You guys are hypocrites. Why? Uh, they're more concerned about not healing somebody on the Sabbath than they are with saving and maintaining their own personal wealth. Because what do they do? He says, which one of you would not, if your ox or whatever fell into a hole or a well, or doesn't really matter, would not go and pull them out? Right? But you won't go heal that person? So you actually care more about uh, this animal, which I love animals, by the way, especially bacon and steak. I'm kidding. I do, I love... I love animals. I'm horribly allergic to basically all of them. Um, but uh, so it's not, about, it's not about loving animals more than people. But, so you're more concerned about uh, loving this animal. So I just had to get that one in. I, just, I don't know. I can't resist sometimes. Uh, you're more concerned about loving this animal that's in danger and need. And, and, you're, and you'll allow that and you say that that's okay um, when healing a person who's, uh, I think in this case it was the withered hand guy, um, that's, you can't do that. That's work? That's work. Don't do it. That's crazy. You hypocrites. And he's not, he's not just pointing out like, oh, you'll, you'll heal your animal, right? But you won't, or you'll help your animal, but you won't heal the guy. But what does the animal represent? Right? I said it earlier. It represents their personal wealth. Their personal ability to gain income that they want to protect that more than they want to actually do the good things that God is calling them to do. Now, I'm not against making money. Money's great. Money, we just, we just ask people to give money. So we want people in this church who have money, right? So we can do cool things out in the world. So there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with... Uh, if God is calling you to have influence in certain areas of society, and part of that means that you're actually going to uh, not pursue family or kids to, to pursue this position of influence in the world, and it just so happens that that position of influence and what God is calling you to do, and because you're wise and because you steward your opportunities and finances well, like you actually end up uh, producing wealth. Like those are good things. 
Those are good things. So don't hear me bashing on that, but go to the dark place in your heart where you know that when God would call you to do something, like serve another person in a particular way, that you would say something like, no, I have to work that day. Or no, I've architected my life in a way where, uh, where this job is everything and nothing else can, can supersede on that, right? So right, here's, here's an example, right? So we have, uh, we have a need for a uh, new board of directors in our church. The, the term is starting to come to an end. Um, and so God may be calling some of you, especially those who are business-minded types, to sacrifice something in your income-earning ability to serve the church or people in a particular way. Interesting thing to think about. Now, serving on the board of directors is not the same as healing a guy with a withered arm, I understand. Um, but bro more broadly, what is the thing that God is calling you to do to serve him? So for Jesus in that moment, it was, it was healing that guy with the withered hand. What's it for you? <clears throat> so let's love without hypocrisy. Furthermore, Paul moves on to say, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. That's pretty strong language, I think. What does that mean? What does abhor mean? That's a crazy word. So I looked up the meaning in the original language, and guess what it means? It means abhor. <laughs> there's no, there's no pitter-patter around that one. It's, that's, that's what it means, right? Hate evil. Hate evil with such a disdain. And now, immediately we say, oh, hate is bad. We're supposed to be people who love, right? I'm a Christian. I love. I do not hate. It's a, it's a good distinction to have, especially when it comes to people, right? And we, we all, we, we probably all agree, actually, that we do hate certain things. When people hate other people and do horrible things to them, right? And that's what most of the world says about the church. I hate you guys because you hate people. And so when we talk about hate, don't, like, turn it off right now because, actually, we have a command here. Abhor what is evil. Now, it's, it is unfortunate, I'll acknowledge this part of the church, that it's unfortunate that we feel like sometimes we get, the, we get full license to act prideful and arrogant and hateful towards certain people who struggle with certain particular kinds of sins, right? It goes right back to plank spec. Is our love genuine? Are you chasing someone around, trying to, trying to pull the speck out of their eye, and you got this giant piece of wood coming out of your head? Let's start with, uh, let's just start with the context of this passage to understand, like, what exactly are we supposed to hate? Like, how does, it, how does the hate part work? If I'm supposed to hate something, how does it actually work? Because it's like, we really got to struggle with this because, man, this, we, we slice the pie the wrong way, man, we're in big trouble. So I just, I, as I was praying through this, I just ended up just reading this again and again and again and again. And if we go back here to... Uh, to verse 3, we'll start to notice that um, we neglect oftentimes to hate the thing inside of us that prevents us from fully loving people around us. I think maybe that's what we're, what we're getting at, or as close to where we need to be on this hate thing. So verse 3 of, of this passage, if we track back a little bit, right? For, the, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Ah, chief sinner, right here. I have a lot of like passions and things I like to do and try and, and experience. So I have like a, a wide array of, of things that I, you know, get pretty decent at and, you know. It, it has this tendency to make me feel lofty about myself. Hey, I can do, you know, God, look at me, I can play guitar. God, look at me, I can, like, paint. That's a pretty cool skill. Can you paint? Yeah. Right? 
And we can, <laughs> we can elevate ourselves, right, because of the things that we're good at or because of the perspective that we think we have on something or because, like, you, you pick your thing, right? Like, I don't, I don't need to tell you all the things. So you, you let the spirit go to the place in your heart where you have your thing, where you think more highly of yourself than you ought. If we keep reading, uh, this is what he says, right? Um, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. That's like, that's so, so amazing right there, right? And that's picking up on uh, what Jesus says, right? Like the, the, the eye can't say to the foot, like, I have no need of you. The second the eye says that, then the body can't walk anywhere. The other way around, right? The arm can't say to the mouth, I have no need of you. Or else the arm's going to be flailing around and nobody knows what's going on because nobody can tell you what this arm's trying to do. We do that. I don't need you to do that thing that God is calling you to do because this thing that God is calling me to do is more important. And so, hold on to that. I'm going to do this thing. And then we start to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And we neglect to hate the thing inside of us that prevents us from fully loving those people around us. And instead, we let that turn into hating the people around us. So when it comes to hate, I think we should start there. Let's hate the thing that divides us and allows us to devalue each other. Right here. This is a church written, uh, a letter written to a church. A group of people. And I love, I forgot to give like the context of where we are right now. Like we're in this sermon series called Be Jesus. And last week we started it off with, uh, with the beginning verses in this chapter. And, and Mikey, uh, who were helping to plan a church um, this summer on U of T campus, Man, it was, it was so good. If you were here last week, oh, it was so good. He, uh, he said Jesus was a, a single motivation man, and that motivation was love, right? And he was, he was super honest, like, man, what are, my, what are my motivations? Do I have other motivations, right? Do I have strategic motivations? If I'm friends with this person, then I gain access to that person, or I, get, I gain access to a potential job opportunity. If I'm, if I'm close to, to this person, then I get to know, right? I get to know all the, all, the, all the gossip about such and such or situation or whatever, right? Like we have other motivations. And he says, Jesus was one motivation man, and that was love. And our job is to sacrifice ourselves corporately, corporately together, as our spiritual worship. And to be transformed together with the renewing of our mind to have one mind. Together. To be one. That's just so beautiful. So that we can have also be, as a church, a one motivation body of love. I forget how I was going to tie that in. <laughs> uh, I guess essentially to say, so unity is the corporate goal for the body of Christ. And love is at the center of that. And so let's, let's hate the thing that prevents us from fully loving those around us. And if you find yourself in a position where uh, it's very easy and tempting and it seems right to divide and, and sh just put a little wedge in between the unity of people in the church, be careful. Be careful, because this is what happens. So that little tiny wedge, Satan comes along, or the enemy, comes along and just takes a sledgehammer to that and makes a huge crack. He'll take that opportunity in a second, in a heartbeat. So let's, and, it, and I think it starts with thinking of ourselves more highly than, than we ought. 
so cool. He moves on to love one another with brotherly affection. Man, I, uh, I love this. Because that helps maintain the unity, right? I, uh, so I went, to, I went with Dave um, to this documentary called Gaza. Uh, it was being released with Hot Docs. And so thank you for taking me to that, man. It was, it was really eye-opening. Like, so the, I don't know if anybody knows about the Gaza Strip. I, I basically still know nothing, even though I watched this documentary. But it's this place that's just been, just been war-torn. Um, and I don't know much about the politics behind it all, but I know from the documentary it said that there's a border on one side uh, with Israel on that side, and there's a border on the other side with Egypt on the other side, and these people are basically trapped on all sides by these two sides, two, these two borders on either side, and then the ocean, or uh, Mediterranean Sea, I think, on, on, on one side, and, and both borders are fully closed. And these people can't go anywhere. They have nowhere to go. And one of the guys in the, in the, in the documentary described uh, the circumstances had changed in something like in the last five years or four years, whatever, from 2014 to 2018, he noticed a marked difference in people's hope and happiness in that place. He says, nobody smiles anymore. Nobody has hope that this could ever get better anymore. It's heartbreaking. This one woman, she said... Uh, she said she had a, uh, a seven-year-old child who'd been through three wars. It's nuts. It's crazy. Like, and then they showed this group of guys at one point who they, they met together, and this, they're, they're all sitting kind of by the beach. I think, I think they were lifeguards, right? They're, so they're sitting by the beach just kind of lifeguarding. And, uh, and the cameras got in real close because one of their friends joined them. And they had the, they went through the most amazing greeting together that I've ever seen. These guys, these guys redefined brotherly affection in that moment for me. At least helped, you know? They pulled each other in so close, like, Man beard on man beard. Like, if we separate right now, we're, like, we're going to be stuck together. Like, because they're, they're going to get tanked. Like, Cole, if we did this, man, we're in big trouble, dude. <laughs> big trouble. Like, they're, like, cheek on cheek. Like, if I don't know, like, mostly when I try and do cheek on cheek, I whack people with my glasses frames. Like, bam. But they were, like, they're in, they're in each other's faces just, and, like, holding. And they did... They, you, know that, you know that commandment that uh, the New Testament gives us? Greet, greet one another with a holy kiss. Anyone do that recently? I, I only really do that with my wife. <laughs> but these guys, man, uh, they came in. One side, cheek, boom, like full lips, like just mwah, one. Other side, mwah, two. Other side again, mwah, three, four, five, six times each. And there was... I don't know, what, six guys there that he had to greet, something like that, maybe five? Every single guy. Every single guy. And this wasn't, like, we don't really know, like, are these actual biological brothers? Like, I don't know. I don't know. To me, it just seems like these are friends, maybe even just coworkers, like lifeguards just hanging out on the beach. And they, would, they just loved each other. Could you imagine being in a moment, like, being in a situation where literally at any moment bomb could drop and you lose every single one of those guys. Oh, you would cherish that moment. You would bring them in close. I don't know if I'm ever going to get this moment with you ever again. I love you. You're my brother. We're in this together. Whatever this is, whatever this life is about that we're in, that we can't seem to change, with no possibility of a, of a future that's better. Oh, just like, so happy I get to see you right now. And it redefined brotherly affection for me. Someone whack that thing. One of you, one of you guys, go whack that top button. Let's get some light up in this place. Church is a house of light, amen? Amen. amen. And brotherly affection. And if you're a woman in here today, this includes you. Don't think just because it says brotherly that it doesn't have to do with you. <clears throat> Where am I? I got so excited about that. 
love one another with brotherly affection. Oh, man. Oh, the things I write down on this. I can't even say that. Uh, Oh, you know what it came from? Because I read all these stats earlier about, you know, you have so many people, they're actually so similar to you. It's actually, it should be pretty easy to have genuine relationships, and probably in reality, you find it pretty hard. And I said, if you can actually manage to get some friends around here, love one another with brotherly affection. (laughs) Why do I think of stuff like that? Sometimes I'm super impressed when people actually let me be their friend. I say it like to myself too, right? Like, hey, Adam, if you can actually even manage to get a friend, love them with brotherly affection, you know? And then the last part of this verse, outdo one another in showing honor. Honor. Just chew on that. What does that even mean? What does that mean? I don't really know. I didn't really look it up. But uh, much like our BLG this week, where I just felt like God was saying, hey, don't worry about, don't worry about uh, talking about this. Just do it. Just do it. And so I'm just going to try and do that this morning. I'm just going to try and honor some people. So Dave, can you come here for a second, buddy? Can you come here? I know, I didn't warn you about this. I just asked if you were going to be here today. <laughs> and he was like, why? What do you need me to do? I just didn't reply. Uh, Hey, man, I just want to tell you that I appreciate you. I appreciate you being my friend. I appreciate that every single week you show up and serve the body of Christ without complaint, without, yeah, his wife, yep. <laughs> With, oh, that was you, oh, that was you, oh, sorry. I just heard a yep from a woman over there. I just assumed Jamie was just all over. Um, without complaint, you don't seek to make yourself higher by saying, why can't I do this yet? Why can't I do that yet? Like, I know about the passions that you have and, uh, and the things that you want to do, and you continue to operate in a place um, that isn't the fullness of those things um, because you love our church. And I just love that about you, man. I really appreciate that about you. And thank you for serving us. And thank you for loving us. Yeah. Um, Matt and Rebecca, can you guys come up here? I just asked them if they're going to be here. No, I didn't warn them so much. <laughs> All right, so here, stand so that these guys can see both of you. Awesome. Um, I love you guys. And uh, I know our relationship is still even just kind of getting started. And uh, the times we do hang out, it's like, hey, can we hang out right now? Like, right now. Like, let's just do it right now. Right? Um, and so we're working on, like, getting to know each other better and being more intentional about building that friendship. But I just want to say I really appreciate how you guys, you two in particular, just love our family really well. You really do. You guys are really generous with your time. You guys are some of the few people who've ever invited us over for a meal. And it's really special to me. And so thank you guys for honoring my family. And I love you guys. Oh, oh, one last thing. Um, I don't know if you guys know, these guys came over like last minute to help us for Good Friday. Uh, And this is something else that I love about you guys. You are so passionate about seeing people meet Jesus, and you act on it. And I love that. That they literally, minutes before the Good Friday thing started, they knocked on their neighbor's door. Uh, a, a, a family who have a kid and said, come to my basically religious service that, that is different than your religion and come hang out with us. And they did. And they did. And I was, that was so amazing. And I really appreciate that you guys model that for our church really well. And so... Anyway, there you go. All right. <clears throat> Jamie, I want you to come here. I, I know. <laughs> I knew you were going to be here. Yeah. I knew you were going to be here. Oh, Jamie. 
I won't cry if you don't cry. I'm going to cry. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm already kind of crying. Okay, come forward a little bit more. Um, Jamie, years ago, you came to us and said, I know God is calling me to do something. And you had no idea how you're supposed to do that, really. And you just jumped right in. And, and we released you to do something that you probably uh, felt like you had no capacity to do, no capability to do, no, I don't know, all the things, right? And, uh, and you chasing Jesus down every moment it got hard was the most, has been the most beautiful thing to watch. And you don't have to do all the things perfectly, and you don't have to be the best leader. You're a good leader, by the way. But the way that you model to our church about pursuing the Lord and enjoying the Lord and wrestling with the Lord in, in trying to do what he's called you to do is the most beautiful thing. Thank you for doing that. Come here, buddy. Oh. Michelle, can you come here? I didn't text you either, but I knew you were coming, so... Hey, buddy. Hey. Um, you know, it's funny. Our, so Michelle and I's story, like, we both basically uh, journeyed with Trinity Life from, like, the very, very, very beginning. Um, but we never really crossed paths for a number of years, right? Like, not that we didn't know each other, right? But we just kind of served in different areas of the church and never got to, like, talk or, or be close or work through things. And it's really just kind of in the last few months, and it still isn't, like, super, super deep yet, and there's still so much about you that I'd love to, to get to know more and more and more, and, um, and what even became more ironic about this whole thing is, like, basically now we're literal family. Yeah, Isn't that crazy? It's true. Um, <laughs> Emily's cousin is my brother-in-law. There you go. Yeah, and uh, um, just the last few months have been so special. Just, like, I knew, I always felt like I knew that you loved our church, and we're willing to do things that nobody else is willing to do because God had called you to a unique part to play in it. And then I got to see deeper how you lived in that and your transparency and your honesty. Like, you are just actually a very genuine person, and I really appreciate that, that about you. And so thank you for, uh, for serving at our church at a capacity that literally probably nobody else could serve at. And it's been amazing to watch you journey through that. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All that while being a mom and working and all those things. It's so amazing. So I just wanted to do that. And there's still, there's so, like, there's so many people that I could do this for right now. Um, but literally, if I don't cut myself off, then I'll just start picking people at random. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, there's so many people who do love and serve this church really well. And I just wanted to honor you. I don't know, maybe, maybe that was the, the, maybe there's way more to honor that I could have taught you about. I don't know. But I just felt like God was saying, just do it. Let's just start honoring each other. Because if we don't start honoring each other, I'd, I'd hate to see what would happen. And not that we don't, not that we don't, but we could do it more, couldn't we? Yeah. So let's, in closing, what does this really have to do with Jesus anyways? He's the only one who's really ever loved, truly, genuinely, without hypocrisy. How do we know that? He's the only one who's never sinned. Ever. That God himself came down in the flesh to be face to face with us and to love us genuinely. And so if you're out there and you're like, all right, this is pretty cool, I get it, like, yeah, we're supposed to love, this is great, right? And good pointers about that. Um, it can still all seem so hopeless if we don't look to the one who loved without hypocrisy. 
And what did he do? How, how did he do it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What does that mean? This, is, this means this is how God loved us. That Jesus died in our place for our sins that you could be released into a life of genuine love. And he did that through the cross. He did that through the cross. And we, we broke his body with whips and nails and a spear and blood poured out. And never for a moment did Jesus sin. Never was that without full, true, genuine love for you, friend, and for us, church, and for the world. Never for a moment. It was the most genuine love that has ever happened, ever. And so let's look to Jesus, because what happens on the cross when, when he dies and resurrects three days later, you know what we get access to? The Holy Spirit who can release us to live like Jesus lived, love like Jesus loved. And so as we come to the table today, let's remember that. Let's remember his broken body and his shed blood so that we can love one another. We can let our love be genuine. We can abhor what is evil. We can hold fast to what is good. We can love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. That is what Jesus did for us. And so let's pray and let's sing. God, thank you that you are the, the God that loves genuinely. God, there are so many people in this church worthy of honor. Everybody is worthy of honor because they're made in your image. So we come to the table and say, Jesus, make our love more genuine. Make our love more genuine. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.